You could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read again verse 9. We started this last week talking about how that we are God's garden. It says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 9, that we are laborers together with God. Isn't that awesome? It says we, or it says you are God's husbandry. That means you're God's garden. That's what that word husbandry means. It means you are God's tilled field. Isn't that amazing? You are God's building. Wow. This word building literally means you are God's completed work. Well, what does that mean? It's talking about the completed work of salvation. In other words, you're God's building, you're God's garden, the completed work of salvation which has been given to you. Now, your spirit man, in other words, we're God's garden, your spirit man is designed to grow things. Right? So that we talked a little bit about that last week. If you have the ability to or have the time to, I would encourage you to get online and listen to that message again or for the first time if you didn't because we got into some nice things. I'm going to start in verse, we're talking about the parable of the sower because it really, it's the foundational piece about, if you're about talking about uh, being God's garden. This parable of the sower, and you could turn to Mark chapter 4 verse 9. This parable of the sower is a foundational parable in the Word of God. It's hilarious when you talk about it because a lot of people think, well, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, and you need to hear it over and over and over because a lot of people have listened to it before, but they've not heard it. Because if you hear it, it'll change everything in your life. The Bible says things like if you don't get and understand this parable, you won't be able to understand any of the parables because it's a foundational piece we are to walk by faith. By default, that means you're going to be growing things in your spirit, man. Your future as a Christian is not in front of you, it's inside of you. All the provision you need is inside of you. The path that God has for you, we have no ability to see it. We need the Word of God to light our path so that we see it. And our whole life is we're to walk and live by faith and we're to, we're to speak with purpose and believe God's word in our heart and speak with purpose and call those things that be not as though they are and because the word of God will change things. But it all starts as you put the word, everything starts with putting the word in your heart. So in order to put it in your heart, you have to hear it. So let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 9. It says, And he said unto them, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And this word hear is not listen to. We said last week, this Greek word means to reverence and honor and respect God's word above everything else in your life. That disqualifies a lot of people right there. But if you choose to do that, you will give God's word your undivided attention and you'll actually hear it because the Holy Spirit will be able to open it up on the inside. He'll be able to bring the word of God to your heart and open it up to you so that now you hear it. And when the word is opened in your heart, I'm telling you, faith is there right now. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing God's word. 
So this is the thing. When you reverence and honor and respect God's word, you will hear and hear and hear and hear, and it never gets old. See, so many people are standing outside looking at this thing we call a relationship with God, and because they don't, they don't make a decision to be all in, they never get to see what it really is. And, and I want to encourage you, don't let Satan lie to you. Everything in this world is passing away. This life is a vapor. Don't put everything into this life, right? Because I'm telling you, he wants to show you there's a lot more. We're here for one purpose. We're going to be light in this world. We're learning how to walk by faith. We're learning how to walk in his love. We're learning how to be led by his spirit. But I'm telling you, this will be the shortest time period that you're going to spend anywhere. Life is so fast and time is short. So this is the key in verse 9 to this whole parable. It unlocks the mystery of the kingdom of God. It literally, you could say this, it's the foundation of everything that is taught. You have to get this. If you don't understand and learn how to hear the word of God, it's going to really be hard for you to ever tap into the blessing of God. Most Christians, they don't endure sound doctrine because they never see the benefit of it. And they think God's not working. But in reality, no, he's already worked. And now it's, it's our turn. We have to believe it. So, you know, I'm not minimizing this. Hearing God's word, have you thought about it today? Weren't you challenged today to put yourself first just once in a while or maybe all day, right? Weren't you challenged to put the, just what's before you be above God? But here's the cool thing. When you fill your spirit with the word of God and, and, and it get, you get so full by simply making one choice in your life. Okay, Father, I don't even know how to do this. But you say to put you first, so you're first. Now, Holy Spirit, help me walk this out, but I'm hungry. I want to do it. You tell me to do this, I'll do it. You tell me to go here, I'll go here. This is no longer about me. I want to live my life to know you. Boy, when you walk in that room, things start changing big time. So now we have to understand this whole parable we're going to go through is about hearing God's word. Everything is about that. So now, in verse 10, it says, And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. So now think about this. Jesus, in chapter 4, verse 3 through verse 8, tells a parable. And then, after he dismisses the service, so to speak, the twelve are with him. There's also could be the 70. We don't know, but there were others that chose to not go home. They went with Jesus, and they're asking him. So this is, this is what we're saying. When they were alone, they asked him about this parable. This is the difference between people who listen and people who hear. This is not about you sit here. See, you go to school, and, and the minute you understand something, you're like all pumped because I understand it right? But this is not like that. This is all about hearing. Because you don't learn the Bible. 
You discern the Bible. You can't learn it because it has to be revealed. Well, you could say, well, no, 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 wait a minute. I could go to school and, no, no, you can. You could memorize the whole thing and not know any of it. The Holy Spirit is the revealer. So this is all about hearing. What's the difference? Right here at the beginning of this parable, it, it reveals it. Some went home and some just had, because the, the ones that went home, they were, they, what did they do? They were standing there, they heard Jesus, and then they're like, hey, it's time for dinner. You know, they're, they're asking each other, did you really get that? Well, no, I, I really, you know, what is he talking about? Wayside, stony ground, birds, right? But they, but they weren't hungry enough to go, wait a minute, he's here right now. I have got to go ask him, you got to tell me what this means. That's the difference. It's a hunger. You know, um, Keith Moore tells a story that one time after, when he was at, at Rama, they, they went to lunch and ate a big Mexican lunch, Mexican food and lunch, and then they went to healing school. And him and another guy were sitting on the front row. And, you know, have you ever, have you ever done this in church? It's called the nod. Right? Right? You, you don't have to answer. I know some of you have, and it's all good. So have you ever, I mean, do you have some drool marks on your Bible? Or is that just me? From that deep, you know, you have this deep, this deep time in prayer, and you wake up, and you're like, your neck hurts, because, you know, and right? So, so here's the thing, though. It's all about hunger. So here's Keith and his friend. They both were gone. So they're out. They're out in the front row of healing school. Brother Hagen walks up to him. He walks up to him, and he does this. He goes, he goes, wake up, boys. Get hungry. Because though, when you're hungry for the word, it'll work for you. And Keith said, you know, he woke up, startled, and Brother Hagen's not mad, but Brother Hagen said a truth. It's the part of the word that you're hungry for that will work for you. That is a key. And this is, this is right now, this is the key. Do you know people came when, when Jesus' power went out of him and healed all their sick? The Bible says at some point, he would even tell his disciples, hey, you know, there's, there's 4,000 people here. There's 5,000 people here. You got to feed them. They've been here for three days in the desert with no food. Feed them. Right? So, so these are people that are hungry for God. How do you get hungry? You start feeding. If you want to get hungry, take your life before the Holy Spirit and then look at your schedule and have him tell you what part of your day he wants. And start feeding on him and start speaking the word of God. When you read the Bible, don't read it silently. There's one person that you listen to more than anybody else, and that's yourself. So read it out loud. I know when I was a young guy, I mean, you know, have you ever read the King James Version? Some of this stuff gets a little crazy. You have to really slow down. I slow down and say the names, pronounce them over and over again. Say, you know, you, know, you can't just say wickedness. It's got to be superfluity of naughtiness. Who is that guy, right? <laughs> but one of the reasons why I like it is because you got to read it slow. 
So I actually, when people try to read fast, I've, I've really developed myself to try to read slow. Because I'm telling you, when you're reading the Word of God, it's not like you're in learning mode, you're in discerning mode. So these guys came to him afterwards and said, listen, we, need, we really need to know about this. You're saying things like, if we don't understand this, how could we understand anything? We know this is the key to the kingdom of God. We know all this stuff, so we have to understand this. So Jesus, please explain it to us. And this is now in verse 11. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Unto you it is given to you. Unto who? Is this some special group? No, no, no. This group, they chose to be there. You got to see this. They chose. Because God, it's all over the Bible. He's no respecter of persons. There isn't any inner circle. Why was Peter, James, and John his, quote, inner circle, if you were to pick something like that? They chose it. Everywhere Jesus went, they're there. They're hungering. They're thirsting after him. That's a big principle in the Bible if you study this out. So it says here, unto, unto you it's given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without. What do you mean them that are without? Well, okay, let's rightly divide this parable. It's all about hearing the word. Them who are without he ears, to hear. Well, why don't they have ears to hear? They're choosing that. You know, I've been saying this so much for the last four months, uh, I'm just like, Lord, please let me teach something else. You know, people gotta be tired of hearing this. But yet every time I preach it, it's so fresh. God wants you to have ears to hear. Because man, when you're facing something, and all of a sudden, it goes off in your spirit that Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain, then that sickness and that pain is done in your life. You're no longer conscious of how long before you see it manifest. You don't care because you already have it. When that goes off in your heart that God is your provider and you're in financial trouble, when you hear those words, it's over. You know now, oh, no, 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 no. He, the blessing of Abraham's upon my life. The blessing of the Lord rests upon me. He empowers me to prosper. Everything that I put my hand to is going to be brought to maturity. And nothing can stop it. Changes everything. It says, but unto them that are without, them who are without ears to hear, all these things are done in parables that seeing they may see and not perceive. Oh, they heard the story, but they never really knew it or, understand, or understood it. That's what this word perceive means in the Greek. They, they can see it, but they never grasp to where they really know it and understand it. And hearing they may hear and not understand. This Greek word for understand means they're not able to put it together and comprehend it. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. So Jesus is saying real clear to them, this is how everything works in the kingdom and now we have these people that came and they're like, Lord, we have to know this. So ears to hear, 
God wants you to know the pattern of how everything works. Everything. He wants you to know the pattern. And it all starts with having ears to hear. So now let's keep going. Verse 12 is a big verse because you can see in verse 12 God's not making it easy on people. And we said this last week and I want to say this again. God wants us to have everything that Jesus provided for us. He wants it in our lives. But he doesn't make it easy because he knows that, see, he wants you to grab it and hold on to it. He knows the enemy's coming to try to take it, to try to, well, actually not take it. He's, he, how he takes it is this, because he can't kick your door down and make you take it. He just makes you relax and let go of it. I guess I'm not healed. I guess that doesn't work. So, so, so this is why you got to dig. The word of God is life to those that find it. It's health to all their flesh. See, I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you tonight, God is good. And he has a plan for you that is way beyond what you could even comprehend with your mind. It's way beyond it's so good. It's never evil. He wants you to walk out every desire of your heart, but here's the deal. You have to choose it. That's what we're talking about right here. This parable of the sower. There's no reason to read any more if you don't understand that. So this is interesting. Verse 13 now. Let's get into this. And he said to them, unto them, Know ye not this parable? Then how, and how then will you know all parables? So in other words, you have to have understanding of this parable to understand any of these parables. And these parables are all about the kingdom of God, which is in us and which we are in. Listen, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the good news is we walk in the kingdom of God. It's the Father's pleasure to give us the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is going to take over everything. In a book of Revelations, it says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God. It's never going to decrease. You operate in the kingdom, you learn how to operate in the kingdom, it'll be impossible for you to decrease. Why could Jesus take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000 people and their families, probably close to 20,000 people? That's like filling up the Baxter Arena and feeding all of them. How, how, how did that happen? Because he was wherever Jesus was, that's where the kingdom was. There is no lack in the kingdom. See, when you learn to operate in the kingdom, all things become possible now. So verse 14, now he's going to start telling about the, the parable. The sower sows the word. The word is likened to a seed that is sown into the hearts of people. Tonight, the word of God is being sown. But what it will produce is based on you, not on the word. Because the word of God is full of life and power, but your traditions or your unbelief can literally make the word of God of none effect. It takes all the effectiveness. One, one translation says it drains it of all of its power. Isn't that amazing? 
The sower sows the word. In Luke's account of this parable, it says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So we know what this whole parable is about is God is sowing the word of God as a seed in your heart. Why? Because he wants to grow some things in your life. Now here's the thing, we're preaching tonight. What's it going to grow in your life? It'll grow different things for different people based on God's path for your life. If you get quiet, you will have this desire to do something in the earth that is just beyond you. You, you want to make a mark that is left forever. That, that's because you're a child of God. You were born again Literally, the Bible says, of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Isn't that amazing? The Word of God was sown, and when you chose to believe it, that Jesus died for your sins, that the Father rose him from the dead, and he's now seated in heaven. When you chose to believe that and then act on that belief by speaking the Word of God and saying, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord. Now the Holy Spirit of God came into you took out the old spirit man that was dead, put a brand new spirit. You were born again. The, the, the real term is born from above. Now you're called the children of God. The children of Israel were called servants of God. We are always called children of God in the New Testament when it deals with our relationship with him. It only calls us servants when it's talking about what we're doing on the earth with others. So know that you're a child of God. The word of God has now caused you to be born again. The word of God now sown into that new spirit man that you are will grow everything in your life. Huge. The sower sowed the same seed into every type of ground that we're going to talk about. God is no respecter of persons. He sows the same seed into everyone. Do you see that? When we get into this parable, you're going to find out that only 8% produce a hundredfold return. Only 8%. Because even good ground, it says 30, 60, and a hundredfold. The other three grounds don't produce anything. So this is huge. The seed produces different results based on the soil based on the soil. The results are not dependent upon the seed. Isn't that amazing? The results of what the seed produces is dependent on the ground. So this is why Satan's going to mess with you all the time. He's going to tell you that you're not enough, you're not smart enough, you've made too many mistakes, you were born in the wrong family, you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, all of it's lies. Because everything, doesn't matter what your past is, when you choose to allow the word of God to be birthed in your heart, your life will never be the same. Ever. Because the word of God is the deciding factor on everything. This explains why people get different results. One person gets healed, another person never lays hold of it. 
But if you'll get in faith and stay in faith, you'll always get the promise. The parable deals with the condition of our hearts when we receive the word of God. I'm telling you, do you want, do you want to just, if you want a pastor that is the greatest teacher that you have ever sat under in your life, get hungry. Because it has very little to do with me. It has everything to do with when, when this hunger, see what happens when you feed on God because he's irresistible, he's life. You get so hungry, all things become new and everything grows and, and, and it, just, it just, it encompasses your whole life. You see life from an entirely different perspective. So the enemy's gonna come and try to mess with your soil. The soil of your heart is where the roots of faith grow. If the seed of the word of God is planted in anything else but a heart filled with God's love, then the storms of life will blow and your faith will fail because your faith's not working. What do I mean by that? The primary revelation that you have to know is that God loves you unconditionally. He loves you eternally. It'll never wane. He doesn't love you any less than he loves Jesus. He doesn't love you any less than any human being that's ever lived. He loves you unconditionally, eternally, and it's not based on you. It's based on he chose. If you guys want to know, just if you want to read a definition of the love of God, there's a man sitting in the, in the back back there with an Under Armour hat on. John, wave your hand. Just go to him and say, hey, can you read that definition that you... He studied it all out and put a definition down. It makes you weep about what God's love means. He, God's love, when you mess up or when you choose wrong or when you spit in his face, it doesn't affect it at all. And, and you have to know this because if you don't know how much God loves you, then what will happen is the seed will never be able to grow because you'll say things, you'll buy into the lie that I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Well, it doesn't matter. That's not the issue. Yeah, but you don't understand what I've done. That, that's not even the issue. Right? If you want to know if you're disqualified from this, just get a mirror and try to and breathe on it. And if you fog it up, then you, you, it's okay. It's not too late. You haven't messed it up. Right? And, and allow God to come into your heart. The word of God always stands true, but if the belief in it is based on anything other than God's love for you, your faith will fail. It's like this big tree, but it's planted in sand. And when a storm blows, it just blows over. Even though it's this big, powerful tree, it's got to be planted in the right soil. A heart established in God's love is the soil that holds faith firmly to the end. And what I mean by the end is from the time you pray, I believe I receive, until the time you see it in your life. It'll hold it firm. So now, verse 15 We've seen now that it's the word of God. You're going to notice 
It's only the word that produces fruit. God doesn't expect you to produce fruit in your own ability. He expects you to be good ground so that fruit will be birthed out of your life. So verse 15, we're going to talk about wayside ground. And these are they by the wayside where this word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. This, this phrase in the Greek, takes away, it literally means, literally, makes you to doubt. Or I guess, to make to doubt. So now, Satan comes immediately and he'll make the person doubt. Well, that doesn't work. I could never have that. It's a lie. It's, it's a lie of the enemy. The word that was sown in their hearts. So in Matthew's account of this parable, it says this, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which has received seed by the wayside. He understands it not. Why doesn't he understand it not? Because he doesn't, he doesn't have ears to hear. So this is, not, this is not a primary thing in his life. He's wayside ground. Well, I just, I just don't believe in that tithing stuff. And, and you know, that Holy Spirit stuff, I just don't believe in that. Okay. So where is in the Bible that tells you that you have a right to believe what you want to believe? As a child of God, if Jesus is your Lord, you've got to believe this. Yeah, but there's no way that healing could be provided for everybody because, you know, I knew a lady or a man that was just this, the, the most incredible man or woman of God and they died with sickness and disease, so it can't be true. So we're now going to take circumstances and we're going to make doctrine out of it. See, we can't do that. Have you ever missed it? Right? You could miss it. This won't ever happen to me, but if I were ever to die prematurely, has nothing to do with the word not working. Has everything to do with the soil. Does that make sense? Because the word, remember, it's forever settled in heaven. God, he literally submits to his word. It's not subject to change. I love that. In Luke's account of wayside ground, it says this, those by the wayside are they that hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So wayside ground represents people with no interest and no results. They just, they hear the word and they decide whether or not they're going to believe it. And wayside ground always just doubts it. How Satan takes it away is he gets them to doubt it. In other words, Satan is able to take away the word that you neglect. People will come and hear the word, and then they'll get up and go right back into their life, and it never makes any change in their life because they've forgotten it. And now, if it's ever brought up, it's like, well, whatever. Right? If you keep listening, if you keep feeding, if you keep watering the word of God, it will never be able to be taken from you, ever. 
So verse 16, you guys doing okay? You all look so serious. I hope this is helping you tonight. I believe it is. Verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. When they've heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. So these people, it's not wayside, which immediately they just doubt it. Now these are people, stony ground is someone who receives it. Have you ever sat in church and you're like, wow, that's my answer. And they receive it with gladness. But it says, and have no root in themselves. This word root in themselves, it literally means, the word root means there's no moisture in themselves. Why is there no moisture? Because they stopped watering the word through teaching. So they received it and they're all excited about it, but then they left and they didn't water it anymore. You water it with your mouth. You meditate in it. You water it. Right? They didn't water it. They were unwilling, in other words, to water the word. See, because this isn't a casual, you know, I mean, this is where most people, hey, you know what? I, I really need God to bless me and heal me and do this, but can you hurry because, you know, I got places to go and things to do, and really, God, I don't want you. I just want you to just nuke my body, nuke my life, fix everything, right? Can we be real? I mean, that's a lot. Have you ever talked to anybody like that? And then what happens when, when, when see, this is what, what Christians will do is somebody will come up to them and go, hey, pray for me, Right? Can you pray for me? And then when you talk to them, you could tell they don't believe anything. They're not willing to do anything. They're not willing to get in the word. They're not willing. Don't, don't pray for them because this is what will happen. Nothing. And then when they walk away, what do they do? Well, God must not want me healed. Right? God must not love me. See, this is right where people live. I remember I was in a restaurant one time and the waitress who I administered to asked me, hey, this couple or this couple's over here with their little baby, could you go pray for them? And I'm like, absolutely. So, you know, I went over, she introduced me to them and it was obvious these people wanted nothing to do with me, nothing to do with God, but they're like, well, you know, yeah, I guess you could just pray for us. And I, so I just kind of said, well, you know, let me just ask you a couple questions and everything just real nice. And I just said, you know, Lord, just... I pray for this family that you would reveal yourself in such a way that they would come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. And they looked at me and they're like, oh, thank you so much. They, they didn't even know I didn't pray for their baby. Because the, all they're thinking is, okay, preacher, can you hurry and, and get out of here? Right? So what do you do? See, we want to effectively minister. So you're always looking down on the inside. What do you say? What do you do? Because a person has to, remember in Jesus' day, what does it say about that? The people came to hear him and be healed. Not to just be healed. Does that make sense? It's, it's all about relationship. So it says here, and they have no root or no moisture in themselves and so endure for a time, but afterwards, notice it says not if, but it says when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. This word offended, it means they're entrapped, they're tripped up, and they start distrusting the word. Whenever a person gets offended, 
they will, it's like they've been entrapped. They're tripped up and now they will distrust everything that could help them. Has anybody ever been offended with you? There's, there's very little you can do except pray for them. Right? Because, and, and what it is, is they've been entrapped. They've been tripped up. They've, they've been caused to distrust something. So we got to be careful. It says that affliction and persecution will do this. Affliction and persecution that arises and comes not because of us, but because of the word. Because remember, we don't produce, the word produces. So Satan wants to bring affliction. It's like, well, pastor, what is affliction? I'm really glad you asked that question, because I'll tell you. That Greek word affliction means tests. It means trials. It means pressure, which produces an attitude that says this is too hard. Now, I know you know what I'm talking about. You're in financial trouble, and you're believing God. And, and all of a sudden, the washing machine breaks. And then your car breaks down. And you're like, what is going on? You're in church every time, man. You're speaking the word. And all of a sudden, things are, more things are going work. And, and, what, and everything within you is going, this is, this is just too hard. I've had people come to me before and go, I started coming to this church and all hell broke loose in my life. I feel like saying, praise God. Because if all hell is not breaking loose in your life, you're missing it all. And here's the thing. It's not like you're going to live a nice little peaceful life. Oh, all hell will break loose in your life and you'll be so bound in, in your whole life. No, no, just, just run to the battle. Just be, come on, bring it. Satan, it is 8.10. You better come at me hard now because by 8.20, I'm going to be really really strong. I'm going to get some more knowledge. I'm going to, you know, right? Because see, affliction, it'll produce this attitude that says it's just too hard. Persecution, kind of the, another set of evil twins, you know, like fear and doubt. Affliction and persecution is like that. It produces an environment in your life which says, who in the world do you think you are that God's going to do this for you? The next time you're believing God for something, if you want to understand this to its fullness, at the next family gathering that's full of everybody who doesn't believe, just, just share with them what you're believing God for. Especially if it's, if, it's a, if it's a physical thing, it'll be really good. You're like, no, I'm just believing God for that. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, you'll give, you'll give your relatives hours of things to talk about once they leave, right? Persecution. Who do you think you are? Affliction, I can't handle this. But it all arises for the word's sake. Do you know Satan hates this church because we, we preach the word, right? Immediately they're offended. So Satan, in other words, brings affliction and persecution for the purpose of offending you or getting you into offense. He's trying to trap you up. Be careful if you find yourself saying, this is just so hard. Because God says it's not. It's a, he says it's a rest. God never will say to you, who do you think you are? Unless he's like, yeah, Tony, who do you think you are? You're my child. Come on, right? This is huge. 
Stony ground is a huge one. The watering of the seed is the only thing that will cause you to withstand the pressure of affliction and persecution. The doer of the word does what? He looks at the word and keeps on looking. So you keep on watering it. This is so big. Verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns. You know, guys, I, I got to tell you, stony ground. This, this is a huge thing in all of our lives. I've been stony ground. So have you. You may be stony ground in some areas tonight. But you don't have to be. Start putting the word first place. Water it all the time. It's like you're tending a garden. You have to tend the garden. Here's the cool thing. You've got the Holy Spirit who will tell you exactly what you need. Verse 18, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And, the, and so now look at what happens to thorny ground. They hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Notice Satan's not taking it. What the person is, how the person is living, they're, what they're doing is causing the word to be choked. So let's look at this. The cares of this world. The cares of this world will produce an attitude in you which says, I don't have time to put God first. Cares of this world. I got to do this. I got to do that. I, you know, I'm really tired. I couldn't come to church tonight. I mean, hasn't this been strenuous sitting here tonight? Right? Do you know actually sitting at home watching TV is actually more strenuous? Because this is refreshing you. Right? So it says, it, it, it'll always produce that. The deceitfulness of riches produces an attitude in you which says, I've got to put my job and my career first. So think about that for a Christian. The minute you say, I can't put God first because I've got to put my job or my career first, put that in relation to Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything will be added to you. So now Satan has just literally thrown some thoughts that caused you to have this attitude in your heart, which has completely cut you off from the Lord helping you. Isn't that crazy? This is how serious this is. And the lusts of other things. This, they use the word lust. It, it literally in the, in the Greek language means desire. It's just the desire for other things. This is probably the biggest one that we face today in the church. The desire for other things. Entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Basically, the desire for other things is this. It produces an attitude in you which says, I just don't want to serve the Lord. And right there, you know, people will look at pastors and go, if pastors were right, there'd be more power. Right? Is that true? Well, I think us as pastors, we're teaching a bunch of nonsense instead of teaching the word many times. Right? 
But still, be careful of this attitude. Because if you have a desire for other things, I'm telling you, God will get bumped. And pretty soon, you'll be sitting there going, I can't tell anybody this, but I just have no desire to serve God. So the commentary on this is this. The desire for the things of this world become greater than the desire to continue taking care of the word of God. God wants you to give attention to his word. This is, this is I know, I, I'd love to make this more exciting, but if you look at this, at, this, at this thorny ground, they're mixing everything in their life with the word. And this person is totally not committed to God. And we don't want that because what it does is it produces a, a position where God can't move in my life now. In other words, what we're saying is the attention you give God's word will determine what you have. It's the attention that you give. If you're not, if you're here, or in other words, you've heard me say this, right? If you're hearing wrong, what's going to happen? You're going to believe wrong. And then you're also going to confess wrong, and you're going to get a wrong result. So notice this. This is talking, Stony Ground is talking about a way of life. Satan's not taking the word. There is no works. There's no corresponding action with the word. So faith is barren. Verse 20, let's finish up with this. Boy, I've got so much more here. It says, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. Here's the key in this word, this Greek word, receive. It means to approve it, to take it up, and to continue in it. So tonight, I would encourage you to do what? To receive the word. Approve it. Yeah, that's the word of God. I need that. And then I'm going to grab hold of it, and now I'm going to continue in it, which means I'm going to walk around. Father, I thank you that I'm good ground. As a matter of fact, I, the attitude of my heart, I just want you. I believe your word. Now, it doesn't matter what you're feeling. You believe, you, you hold fast to the confession of faith. And as you're walking that out, watch what happens to the inside of you. And then watch what starts happening all around you. Because the God of heaven, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he is watching over his word to perform it in your life. There are no works, so faith is barren. So now, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, they receive it, they approve it, they take it up, they continue in it, and bring forth fruit. Notice, the word is bringing forth fruit, not the person. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. It's interesting how even good ground produces different results. What is the difference? The difference is our attitude about the word. In other words, do you believe that my God shall meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory, and it'll come to me by Christ Jesus? Do you believe that? Like, 
meeting all your needs means, man, you know what? I'm going to be able to just pay my bills. Or do you believe it that, you know, yes, God will just pay my bills and give me a little extra money to use on myself? Or do you just sit here and go, my attitude about the word and about God is, I just believe that my God will supply all of my need. I got to tell you, I need millions and millions of dollars to do what God's called me to do on the earth. I'm I'm preaching to the choir because so do you, because God's planted you here. So are you saying, not enough just to meet all of my needs, but to live on a level where the whole world looks at me and goes, God is blessing that individual. And also that I've got enough to sow and give and do help people and do whatever. See, what is your attitude? Are you 30-fold, 60, or 100? You choose. It's the attitude of your heart towards the Word of God. The Bible says all things are possible to him who believes. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. Oh, as I'm looking out tonight, I got to tell you, down on the inside of you is the boundaries of your life are limitless because of what God wants to do in and through your life. Amen?